Hello, everyone. I'm Reverend Carla. Welcome to Spirituality Matters. Now let's settle in and find that sacred space between here where I am and there where you are. And let us be reminded that the Holy transcends our physical bodies. And our time together is just as meaningful and sacred as if we were sitting beside one another. So now let's get started. Now, if you'll notice, if for the, when this gets uploaded to the YouTube, our YouTube channel, you're going to see that I'm in a new place in, in our home as we try to just figure out podcasting in the time of Corona. So please be patient with us if the sound quality is a little off or the video is a little off, but we're doing the best we can. So this week's theme is called Love Always Wins, or Does It? And we're going to talk about this notion of love. This is being recorded the week before Valentine's Day. And so this the, the timing is really appropriate. But also anytime we talk about love, there is, there's just a whole gamut of emotions that can arise for you. And, of, and so oftentimes it's a trigger for us. So we're going to talk about what those triggers can teach us. And we'll also be talking about the concept of love through an example of um, Prince Harry and his wife, Meghan Markle. So yes, even the Royals will be able to help us out here. So hopefully by the end, as we journey through this time together, talking about love, that we will be able to inspire you a little bit more about maybe some places in your life that you could look at what needs to be healed or what you need to let go of related to how love shows up for you. But before we do that, like I said, we're recording this right before Valentine's Day. So I want to spend a little bit of time. This will this will uh, be released the week after. So it's still relevant enough. But Valentine's Day, I just want to give you a little snippet of information here. Valentine's Day is named after um, St. Valentine. Now, really, I think it's more of a myth than an actual one person. Most people believe that it's a combination of people that actually make up the myth of St. Valentine. But we know that he was to have performed all kinds of miracles. So that's why like the, the story is like, wait a minute, he was over here and then 300 miles later, he performed this miracle. It seems like there's a lot of a lot of stories that kind of pile on top of each other to make the myth of St. Valentine's. What we do know is that he was ex executed by the Roman Emperor Claudius III. So there was a Saint Valentine, wasn't a saint at the time, a person named Valentine who was executed by Claudius III because he refused to denounce his Christian faith. So remember throughout Roman uh, history, there were times when they had become Christianized and other times when it was not in favor of the Roman emperor. So at this time, unfortunately for St. Valentine, he was executed because he refused to denounce his faith. But one of the myths about, around him is that during his time in prison, he healed the jailer's daughter who had been uh, afflicted with blindness due to some kind of disease. So she and him began a she and he began a, a a writing campaign back and forth. So while during his time in jail, he would spend time writing letters to the uh, jailer's daughter, and he would sign them, "Your Valentine." So that is one of the myths about how Valentine's Day started. But interestingly enough, as is the case with so many of the um, the the seasonal. Uh, equinox or the um, solstices, you will see where the church will have entered some kind of ritual or other kind of, of sacred event to kind of get people to move away from some of their pagan traditions. And the same thing holds with St. Valentine's Day. 
So somewhere back in probably around the um, sixth century and maybe probably even earlier than that, there was a an annual event called Lupercalia. And that was a very popular event at the time because so many people loved that. They, they, they were, it was raucous, it was rowdy, it was kind of bloody because people would get in these crazy matches. And it was all about love as well as people just kind of let their, um, let loose and partied basically for days. Well, Pope in the fifth century, um, the Pope Galatius wanted to replace Lupercalia. So guess what? He outlawed Lupercalia celebrations and instead created Valentine's Day so that people then could direct their energy for love and commitment to something that the church approved of versus one of their pagan traditions. So whether it's St. Valentine's Day or Lupercelia, whichever one that you celebrate at this time, I think it's always nice to know there's an interesting nugget when it comes to some of these human-made holidays, how they actually impact um, our all of our collective histories because all of us sometime or another have ancestors who would have celebrated some of these pagan traditions. Okay, so back to our whole concept about love always winning or you know does it so i'm going to start with a story about prince harry and megan who we you would be forgiven if you don't remember that they had a very tumultuous 2020 as well as the as as the, if we all didn't with everything that was happening at the time but what happened is that prince harry decided that it was in his family's best interest meaning his new wife and their child that they uh, abdicate from the royal duties and take up private life here in america now if you if someone if you just said that sentence to somebody what i just said if you just take that sentence out of context and say well it sounds like he just that the royal life was inconvenient for him so he decided that he would rather have a glamour life in california that simply is not true there were a lot of reasons that piled upon one after the other that compelled Prince Henry to, Harry to do this. And it goes back to the death of his mother and his disdain for paparazzi and what he saw happening to his wife at the same time. And I'm sure it broke him, his heart. I'm sure it also traumatized him. But there's context here because it's a lesson for all of us. Just because I said he abandoned his royal duties, that also has context to what happened with, with the backlash of something that they said. So what you see happening, uh, just to give you a little bit more information, what you see happening in the media, especially when it comes to Megan, you would see a sharp contrast with how they would talk about Meghan versus how they would talk about Princess Kate and who is Prince William's wife. So this, this became not only very uh, stark, it became very disturbing because it was clear that there was racism involved. And so this, it, they finally had had enough and they decided that this was going to be, it was time for them to move on. And so part of what they're doing now is kind of uh, branding themselves because they're, they are a united front and they've now started to move into, well, how are they going to show up in the world? And one of the ways that they're showing up in the world is with a podcast that they launched at the end of the year. And I, it was just an, a beautiful podcast filled with all kinds of wonderful guests telling their stories and giving reflections. So at the end of that podcast, Megan or Harry, one of them, what one of them says, 
love wins. And the other, then the other one comes in and says, trust us when we say love always wins. Well, so many people caught on just that one phrase, love always wins. And they got blasted across social media from people saying, well, isn't that easy for you to say? Isn't that easy that you have this easy life, you come out of a royal life to live in California, to choose your destiny, to have all these kinds of sponsorship. I think they ended up uh, securing a $30 million contract with Spotify just for their podcast alone. So you can see that that leaving royal life has actually been very rewarding for them in so many different ways. So, but when you take that sound bite, and the disdain that people have already for the royals or people who have that kind of glamorous life, you can easily see how, number one, that the, the soundbite does sound trite. Oh, love always wins. But when you take it into context of their situation, it makes sense because love did win. Love always wins. They've made a commitment. I'm sure that their decision to leave royal life was not made number one it wasn't made in a vacuum and number two they would have had some really emotional tumultuous conversations to make that because i think megan was committed to trying to live the royal the royal life the way that she was expected to live but it didn't work for her and it didn't work for them so yes, taken out of context, love always wins. Sounds like it could be, well, we're taking our $30 million that we get for hosting this podcast, and we're going to show you that love always wins when the rest of us have never seen $30 million and have no idea, cannot relate to that. But taking into context to their lives and what they've endured the past two years, love did win for them. So for any for those of us who this is just an opportunity to offer other people grace. Sometimes it's so easy to, to just attack somebody because of something that they said when, when it's taken out of context. But also for us, if we're going to dig a little deeper here and about the definition of love, we are already, we as Americans are already confused about the definition of love. And some of that is because we have our biblical upbringing to blame, but also just our simplistic language. So as a, a former evangelical here who now rejects a lot of those, those teachings, I can tell you the way love was explained can also be confusing as you're going through life. So I know just that I, I picked up four of, of what we call scriptural definitions of love. And the first one is E-R-O-S, and that's pronounced eros. And eros means a romantic kind of love. So you have, um, you know, your your partner, your love, love and affection for someone that you want to spend time with, that you possibly want to spend the rest of your life with. So that's eros, and that was one of the translations that in the Bible just becomes love. In the English Bible, becomes love. Another word is storge, S-T-O-R-G-E. That word stands for family love. So the kind of love that we have um, one for another in our familial settings, how we love each other. So Eros and Storge, and you can see like we just call that love, but 
in our minds that could be very confusing, especially as we're coming up through whether it's church or our, our, our community experiences, how we interact with people. Got two more for you. The third one is philia, and that's spelled P-H-I-L-I-A, philia, and that's a brotherly love, and that's our love for humanity. How we show up, how we love our neighbors, how do we love strangers, how do we connect with people that we might not have a, a an intimate relationship with or even a knowing relationship with like we have with colleagues or schoolmates or um, neighbors or something like that. And then we have agape, A-G-A-P-E, agape. And that means the highest form of love. That's the sacred love. That's the holy love. That's God's divine love. There's nothing that surpasses, that's higher than agape. But in the English translation of the Bible, all of that becomes love. So we then start to traverse our lives with a wide definition of what love could be. So let's see what happens here as we move forward through some of this. And I'll put these words in the show notes so you can also take a look at them. Okay, so it's always good to turn to the good old dictionary to see also what love, how love is defined. And then I think that also can help us understand a little bit about our confusion about what love is. The first thing it's, uh, the dictionary says is it is a profoundly tender, passionate, affectionate for another person. Okay, that makes sense. That's why so many of us are comfortable with saying, I love you to people who, even if it's strangers, especially in social media, you see that often where people will respond to maybe a video or something I've done and they'll say, oh, I love you so much or something like that. It's also, love is also defined as a feeling of warm personal attachment or deep affection as a parent, a child or a friend. So going back to that uh, family love, that storge that we read about in the Bible, also, you know, like a, a sexual passion or desire for someone that you truly love, want to be intimate with, and you want to spend some time with or be committed to in a committed relationship. Then there are other definitions that I find very interesting, which we get down to um, to love up, like when we do physical, like we're going to cuddle with somebody. I'm just going to give you, going to show you love, how you how you show physical, but also how we take a liking for something not necessarily a person. So that's where we get into, and I've heard teachers talk about this before, like maybe it's not a good idea that we say how much we love a salad or how much we love cereal or how much we uh, love a sports team when it, it confuses the mind and the heart about what exactly you mean by that word. So, but it's actually part of the d definitions of having just something that you have a great love for. And I just need to throw in including including our pets here. So you start to see why all of a sudden we have this issue with why people would be triggered by hearing something about love always winning when the word love means so much to us in, in our lives. And here's how uh, I found this interesting phrase that I thought was compelling about this concept this week. It, it says, there is love, of course, and then there is life, its enemy. There is love, of course, and then there is life, its enemy. So when you, when you think about that phrase and you think about love always wins, you can see why so many of us don't believe 
that love does always win. It becomes like almost like this unattainable ideology. Rob Bell, a former uh, mega pastor, has written several books, and I've recommended uh, when people are deconstructing from uh, Christianity or religious trauma, or they're trying to recover from religious trauma, I always recommend one of his books, uh, Rob Bell's book, What is the Bible? But he also wrote one that's called Love Wins. And this is a very good book because basically what he's saying is that God's love prevails that God's presence for and God's love for all of humanity is actually more powerful and stronger than any of the rule books that humans have put over Christianity. So our experience, our religious experience might actually be inhibiting our ability to experience love fully because we've learned in our religious experience that God's love is conditional. So he argues in this book that it isn't. So this is something that you might consider reading if, this, if that resonates with you, because especially for all of those of us who are deconstructing from Christianity, we need to look at the view, how God shows up in our lives differently we need to deconstruct from some of those and understand that the angry God that we feared doesn't exist, that God is love. There's no contradiction here that, that God doesn't exist. So it might be worth checking out that book. But believing in this angry God, this vindictive God, really reinforces that fear-based theology. So sometimes we're not even aware of how often what we're, what we're seeing in front of our lives, like the even though we love, life is interrupting us, we're not even aware of how often we're still filtering some of our beliefs through the or some of our experiences through the beliefs of our of our past so you might think that you've rejected some of your your religious heritage but unless you've actively deconstructed it it still might be there which might be part of the reason that you're triggered around some of the experiences of love so love for your salad and love for your dog might feel very natural, but love for other humans or love in a close-knit relationship, whether it's intimate or just with a good friend where you're entering into almost a sacred bond where you're going to be very, you're, you're elevating that relationship to a, such a level that you know that you're going to be more committed in that friendship and be loyal to each other in ways that you hadn't been in the past, sometimes that's very hard to do if you're still holding bitterness about some of your religious experiences. And I know that's a deep subject, and it, you're probably thinking, why does that have anything to do with the day that we're talking about love? But everything comes back to not only just talking about love, but talking about our healing, our healing while we're here. So love can't win. There's no chance for love winning unless we are healing. It does, love will never win. So as morbid as it may sound, beloveds, there's things that we have to realize about our lives. We are in the middle of a bookend here. We're born, we live our lives, and we die. 
those two those two are givens if we're here so we're somewhere in the middle of this book in these bookends so how we show up depends on what we're willing to face how we show up depends on what we're willing to look at to heal so this is just another nugget for you to consider how love how you love is impacted by what's happened in your past and if that has a notion of of spiritual or religious trauma for you so because no matter what happens in our lives we're going to have people come through whether they're our closest they're our closest friends our partners our companions our colleagues our family members no matter who they are no matter how much we love them no matter how much they love us they're going to hurt us they're human you're going to hurt them no matter how much you pray or desire a different outcome or you believe in miracles or you believe that things can be different this heartache will come in some way shape or form because we're human we're souls here having a human experience but we are not God we have God in us but we are not God so we're not miracle workers we don't have all the answers there's always room for us to figure out how how do we move beyond the things that hurt us how do we move beyond the things that can trip us up or or that can stagnate us so that there isn't any more growth so that we don't put take chances anymore if anybody might hurt us but there's something else to look at here as well not just from a personal perspective but also like this whole wide table of humanity if love was always winning if love truly always was winning in all of our lives then there would not be any hungry people there would not be any abuse there would not be any babies crying we would be taking better care of our environment animals wouldn't be killed for sport the earth wouldn't be treated like our personal garbage dump we would be taking better care of things around us so we kind of all flip that switch and whether it's intentional or not intentional we don't necessarily live the concept of love always winning because we don't show up that way and yes do i believe that each one of us has some kind of responsibility for how we take care for the earth and how we how we care for others even if they're strangers i absolutely believe that i think that's part of our spirituality i think that's part of our spiritual growth but it's also if we if we change the narrative just a little to say okay I'm trying to heal myself how's that going to show up in the world so I, I'm, I'm fixing what's broken I'm letting go of the things that no longer serve my highest good I'm healing the pain from the past trauma I'm not going to let that define me the, the the how it defines you is how you show up so that's how we know if we are actually healing so no it's not all, all on your shoulders to save the world or save humanity but each one of us has a part and if we do that does love start to continually show up does love win now this might be a part where i would invite you to take a little bit of what we talked about whether it's even your thoughts about valentine's day or your thoughts about 
Prince Harry and Meghan or your thoughts about what you learn through your religious heritage from about the Bible or what does love mean to you? And there's no wrong answer here. What you've been taught about love is what you've been taught. What you've experienced about love is what you've experienced. So this would be a really good time to take some of those questions and maybe pause here, write, rewind and write down some of the things I just said and use that as a journaling exercise. Maybe the, the week after Valentine's Day is a really good time to consider what love means to you. And if, it's, and if it's not where you want to be, what can you change about yourself to bring forth a different kind of reality about what love is, how it shows up in your life, and what needs to be healed if it's not, if you're not where you need to be. That can be a little tricky, but at least you can start looking at the defining steps. So where we want to be when we are looking at, when, if we are... If we are emotionally grounded and we feel safe and we feel loved and we feel seen, and that doesn't necessarily mean from people around us, it's about, it's also about our spiritual foundation, then how we love and why we love and when we love and our definition of loves can help anchor you in your life. So how we love, why we love, when we love, all of that can help anchor you. But it can only come from a place of peace. And that's okay if you're not there. All of us are still working on some element of that. But knowing what the game plan is to move forward is the most important thing. How do you do that? How do you start to be able to answer those questions? It all starts by going inward. How are you loving yourself? Have you forgiven yourself? What are you holding on to? What regret? What guilt? Why do you need to start with loving yourself first? How can we show love to other people if who we are, we don't love? So before we are looking at how love shows up and how we want to desire companionship, whether it's friendship or an intimate relationship, or you want healthier relationships with your colleagues or your family, all those eros, storge, philia, or agape, how are we taking care of ourselves? Because the agape love is our love. We, we recognize the sacredness in us, that God is in us, and that we're going to take care of ourselves and love ourselves first. That's where the healing really begins. Now, I'm going to switch gears just a little bit here because this certainly, for me, it always brings up the where Jesus gave us the two greatest commandments, love the Lord your God with all your might and love the, your neighbor as yourself. I recently heard a, a an evangelical Christian talk about this and say that one of the things that progressive Christians, and I guess if I had to have a label, that would be who I am, even though I, I no longer go to church and consider myself spiritual, but not religious. They say we get it wrong because we twist the order of those two commandments. We want to say, love your neighbor before 
love your God. And this video was, was making its rounds in several different uh, social media platforms. And I want to just tell you what a ridiculous notion that is. So for any of you who are told that, or you heard that, do not wear that. Do not accept that. Do not be confused by it. Because what Jesus was saying with those, that commandment was that the love of your neighbor is godlike. It's not about switching them around. That's a deflection. That's such a ridiculous argument. But a lot of times they're looking for talking points if we who feel that we live by these commandments are coming together to find ways to help heal one another. And especially those who have been so dehumanized by some of these beliefs. But loving your neighbor as yourself doesn't become a sin ever. That you can't put language around that. But that's also about loving your neighbor as yourself. Jesus was giving us permission to love ourselves. God, ourselves, and neighbor, all wrapped up in those in those beautiful words of Jesus. So we can't love God without loving ourselves, and we can't love ourselves without loving our neighbors. It's a beautiful circular mantra of peace and love and harmony. It's not putting one in front of the other. It's about how we, how we ground ourselves to make sure we're ready. That's why it's so important that you do find time for these journaling exercises. You do find time for enrichment for spiritual connection because those are, that's how we provide the foundation for how we're going to show up it's the same thing with our body i can't go on three hours of sleep continually i might be able to do it one night but i have to take care of my body because that's that's like a physical representation of well if i if i go without sleep how am i going to be able to do my job how am i going to be able to focus i can't it's the same way with how we are taking care of ourselves so not just the physical it's the emotional it's the spiritual it's the mental what are all those aspects so you know maybe creating some a journal with lines and saying how am i taking care of myself emotionally physically spiritually and mentally because that is part of the sacred commandments that Jesus, that Jesus left us. So that was my, that was my side note, but I do want to end with this thought. Love can win. We should be happy for those who feel that love is always winning for them. That means that especially in the case of Harry and Megan, they've made a commitment to one another to make that happen. I can, I pray that that continues to work for them as they look to serve for humanity the way they can. I think they're going to have some beautiful podcasts and we should be will grateful for the wisdom that they're going to give us because the world needs healing. So love can win. And I want you to consider that for your own life as well. So amen and blessed be. Okay, beloveds, I'm honored to be in this space with you, and I pray that you received something. I know I did because the teacher teaches what she needs to hear. So now, beloveds, go in peace and be at peace, and may you know love and be loved. Go and know that others are on this journey with you, and you are not alone. You are seen and deeply and unconditionally loved. 
Hope you have a great week and I'll see you soon. Bye for now. If you like what you heard today, be sure to like and subscribe to Spirituality Matters wherever you listen to podcasts. To have your question featured on an episode, email us at spiritualitymatters at revcarla.com. And as always, follow at RevCarla on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and Pinterest for more spirituality teachings. Bye for now.